This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Network. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Network does not take responsibility for the statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-hosts, Joe Applebaum, Potomac Companies, Katie Brewer and Chris FSAU from Newport LLC. And uh, we have a great lineup of sh- a lineup of guests for you on our show today including Fred Westerlund, CEO of MBH Settlement Group, Adamina Fees, Synergy Design and Construction, Persephone, the Media Socialites, and Mike Geary, CEO Society for Marketing Professional Services. Let's get to our first guest, Fred Westerlund. CEO of MBH Settlement Group. Fred, what is MBH Settlement Group? What are you guys doing? MBH is the largest title insurance agency in the D.C. metro area. And give us an idea of like how many deals you're doing a year or something like that. We'll do 5,000 to 6,000 real estate transactions in any given year. Wow. Where you're from originally? Originally from Massachusetts. Uh-huh. How many brothers and sisters? I had a younger brother, six years younger than me. Uh-huh. And um, so how long have you been with this organization versus how old is the organization? The organization's 25 years old. I've been with MBH as the CEO since 2017, so about three years. So you, they evidently you got brought in to take things to the next level. How young were you when you were taking things to the next level, like 8 to 14? Probably at an early age in elementary school when I was able to move between all the different groups of kids and prevent bullying and things like that. I had friends in every different group. Wait, 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 wait. You were the kid that had friends in all the different groups and prevented bullying. Tell us more about that. Tell us more about that dynamic. It just came naturally to me. I, I'm a, I like people, and I'm able to get along with different types of people, and I don't like seeing people taken advantage of. And I don't think I really thought through it. I think it just naturally happened, uh, you know, possibly because of the, the example that my parents had at home while well, I was growing up. Well, so, th- so this ability of yours to get along with everybody and, and, this, and, not, to, and not to like bullying, how's that helped you build this organization called uh, MBH Settlement Group? Well, I think if you have a, a natural inclination to like people and coach people and, and just help them develop, it helps you in a leadership role, I think, in any company. I, but I thought, you know, I read the newspapers. I thought business was blood and guts and suing people and yelling at people. If they don't do the job, you just fire them. But that doesn't sound like the way you build things, does it? No, no, it's not. I mean, business is all about leadership and, and helping people succeed. And if you can help them succeed, typically you'll succeed. Just wanted to make sure I understood. Katie? What did your father do for a living? My father was a draftsman, which is kind of like a CAD CAM engineer is today. And what about your mother? My mother was a school teacher. And what do you bring from your mother to work every day? Yeah, what grade was your mom teaching, by the way? My mother taught fourth and fifth grade English. Well, what, what do you know about your mom's teaching fourth and fifth grade English? What do you, what do you, what do you remember about that? Well, the thing I really admired about my mother as, as a school teacher was she really cared about the kids and their overall development, not just the grades that they got. How do you know that? 
you could see it in the in the conversations she'd have, the dinner table conversations, the work she put in over the summers, and in talking to me and my brother wait, about wait, school. Wait, 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 wait. Why would you? Uh, teachers don't work during the summers. Don't you know that? Uh, my mother did. Uh-huh. So your mother really applied herself to her gig as a teacher. She did. She loved the kids. She really cared about them. What's that have to do with what you do? Well, you take the same kind of philosophy where the people that, that work for you or that work in the company, you need to care about them and help them grow and develop as well as, as the leader. So as a kid, let's say you got along with all the other kids, and like your mother, you really apply yourself to developing all these kids. Excuse me, the people at work. That's absolutely Just right. wanted to make sure I understood. Chris? So you have a, a younger brother, a six years younger. That's right. I don't suppose there's a whole, a whole lot of interaction as an adversarial interaction between the two of you growing up no, because that, of the age difference. That, that's right. That's right. There wasn't competition. There wasn't rivalry. I just coached him and supported him and, and taught him. To what degree did he become your first subject in coaching, do you think? Uh, really, he really was my first subject in coaching, honestly, because from the moment he was born, I was interacting with him and uh, couldn't wait to have a little brother. So as soon as he could interact with me talking or moving around, we were wrestling and playing and all sorts of things. So Would it be fair to say that you, to a very large degree, were his influencer? Oh, absolutely. I would say Who so. would you say was your biggest influencer? Well, besides my parents, I had a teacher in fifth grade, uh, Mr. Metis, who was just fantastic and really cared about me as a person and really tried to draw out in me, help me see what I, what I could become and what talents what, I might what, have. What did he draw out in you? Um, well, first of all, leadership. He helped me see that I could be a leader in the classroom, and he helped give me confidence um, just in my intellectual abilities, if you will. How did he do that? What are you talking about? Just interactions in the classroom and discussions and putting me in positions to, to lead others and, and talking to the other kids. We played, we played hockey and football in elementary school. And, um, and so while uh, I wasn't the best athlete, I was, I guess, a natural leader on the team. And he really kind of emphasized that and encouraged me um, to seek out leadership opportunities. So what, what, what kind of sports did you play? Uh, I played football, hockey, and basketball. When you were playing street hockey, what was your role on the team? Uh, I played every position except goalie, so uh, I did whatever the team needed, honestly. So you were, were you the best player? No, absolutely Were not. you the captain? I was not. So you weren't the captain, you weren't the best player, you played all the different roles, though, except goalie. What's that have to do with what you're doing nowadays as the, uh, it says here on this piece of paper that you're the CEO of MBH Settlement Group? Well, well, in team sports, if you understand every position on the team and how it interacts with every other position and how it works against the opposition, and you just take that principle and apply it to business, uh, that helps you to understand what all of your people should be doing in their roles and what their challenges might be and how you can help them be successful. Huh. Okay. Chris, Katie, what else you guys got? seems to me like you're taking a whole lot of your family interaction into the business, the nurturing, the caring, the looking after your people and bringing them along. What do you take from the business to the family? What do I take from the business experience to the family? What do you apply? What what elements that yeah. don't necessarily exist in the business right. are you do they transfer are you, to Are the you married or single? I'm married. I have four children, all teenagers. Uh huh. Would you get? W w w let me twist that a little bit. What did you learn? Four, four teenagers. What have you learned from your kids that have helped you in business? Well, uh, patience. Uh, they've they've uh, taught me to have more patience and really to try to explain things 
in multiple different ways because people people understand things differently and and then also people have other things going on in their lives right so you're not you may be the boss and you may have goals at work and so forth and things you're trying to help them achieve but they've got things going on outside of work as well and you need to keep that in mind and you need to be sensitive to it it's that coaching thing again just like you understood all the kids at school it's the same way you understand your kids uh, at home who wears the pants who, who's the boss at home you or your wife yeah, my wife uh-huh <laughs> and and so you're comfortable trusting people. You're comfortable figuring out who people are since you were a kid and what you're doing nowadays at work. And just like, you know, you guys divide and con- you know, you divide responsibilities based on strengths. Yeah, absolutely. My wife is, you know, incredibly intelligent, intelligent. She's got great character, so I absolutely trust her. Character? What what is this word character? I haven't heard that word in a long time. What what what, what is that? What it was what is that word character? Well, it has to do with integrity and caring about other people, putting other people first. And uh, she's a very giving person, and you know she's got, you know, pristine integrity. Do you, you, you do you use any of that integrity stuff in business? I mean, does that fit anywhere in business? That thing about character and integrity and stuff. No, absolutely. You you have to demonstrate integrity, and you know, in fact, I I don't like to promote anyone into a position if I don't think they have integrity and. I really enjoy coaching people and helping them develop and, and be successful and be all they can be, if you will. But I don't want to work with someone like that who doesn't have integrity. Why not? Because why would you help someone who doesn't have integrity to to become more influential with other people and so forth? We, When you're running a business, you want integrity. You want to take care of your customers. You want to take care of your employees. And really, that's how you want to live your life outside of business. Yeah, keep going. And... I, and so there's you, no room for people that don't have integrity in, in our business. So you don't want to bring, you don't want to put people that don't have integrity in any kind of res- position of responsibility to influence other people because they'll help destroy the culture you're trying to create. Am well, I right? Absolutely, help destroy the culture and it could hurt our customers as well. Huh, so you're really concerned about the team and your customers. Absolutely, I mean, at a young age, I'm, I'm mowing lawns, I'm shoveling snow, I had a paper out, all of this in elementary school, and you know, you get customer interaction face to face early. You learn pretty quickly that you know you need to satisfy the customer. You Wait a minute, you're seeing a connection between when you were a kid mowing lawns and what you're doing now. Tell me about that Absolutely. again. Well, it's all about customer service and customer satisfaction, and you've got to give the service. You've got to do the job to the delight and the satisfaction of the customer, not just to your standards. You need to make sure that they're happy, so that you can continue working and mow more lawns and shovel more driveways. And what, what what did Mr. Meadis have to do with that? Well, he I think that work ethic and, and the customer uh, customer satisfaction uh, skills I learned as I was yeah, young. Yeah, he was a satisfaction. What, what is the website address for MBH Settlement Group? MBH.com. We've been speaking with Fred Westerlin, CEO of MBH Settlement Group, and Executive Leaders Radio. We'll be back in a moment right after this business spotlight. And your name is? Ramon Parker. And Ramon, the name of the organization? Loudon Free Clinic. And you were telling me there's some something special about the Loudon Free Clinic where every dollar that goes in does something else. What was that all about? Yeah, it does something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver $8 worth of care. And what kind of clinic is this? Who are, you, who are you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do? So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64 who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this thing about the math again. Give me how that works. So essentially, I have a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver you know, 
anywhere from eight dollars uh, in care for our patients. Because you've been able to enroll the support of so many volunteers, you're actually keeping the cost of health care down, and therefore multiplying the dollars and making one of it one of the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest. And didn't ah interesting. So private businesses and individuals can get involved. And didn't you Absolutely. tell me you had a couple of health care challenges yourself? What were they? I have. I've had four open heart surgeries, and mm -hmm. it helps me to understand what patients need. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus in how we deliver care differently than most people would. What did you, what did you learn from those experiences personally? What do you appreciate that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a, a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, mm -hmm. parents, mm -hmm. family, all those people consistently being around me and consistently offering me hope. Uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them. What's the website address for the Loudon Free Clinic? Loudonfreeclinic.org. Let me have that one more time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org. We've been speaking with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your Business Spotlight. Thank you. Hi, this is Sherry from Hummingbird Market in Tucson, Arizona. I have some great news for those of you who like hummingbirds. Hummingbirds are the most loved and easily fed birds in the United States. Attracting these flying jewels into your yard is accomplished by using the proper nectar and feeders available from Hummingbird Market. Hummingbird Market has revolutionized hummingbird nutrition. We scientifically formulate hummingbird nectar made with all-natural plant sugars that most closely replicate nectar from Mother Nature's flowers. It hydrates and energizes the hummingbird with the essential sugar-blended nutrients it requires for proper nutrition, which keeps them coming back to your yard. Hummingbird Market is your preferred source for hummingbird-approved feeders, nectar, and accessories. Disconnect from your technology, gadgets, and daily obligations, and discover the natural beauty of hummingbirds. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Adamina Hees, who's CEO of Synergy Design and Construction. Adamina, what is Synergy Design and Construction? What are you guys doing? Uh, we're a home design and remodeling firm, so we focus on multi-room renovations and just really creating spaces mm -hmm. um, that people love and feel great in. Uh -huh. uh, and how many brothers and sisters do you have? I'm the only child. An only child. And where are you from? I was born in L.A., but I lived in eight places before the age of 10. So Washington State, Missouri, Oklahoma, mm -hmm. uh, a plethora of places. I understand that your mom, something happened when you were about nine. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, so my mom um, died in an accident. She was a truck driver, and uh, so she died on, on one of her, her rides. Mm -hmm. And you were how old? Nine. Uh -huh. And this was a single mom. Dad wasn't around. No, never knew him. So what, what, where did you go to live? So I ended up in Springfield, Virginia, uh, right outside living of Washington, D.C. Living with, my with who? With my grandmother and my grandfather. Uh-huh. You were living with your grandmother and grandfather. How did that make you feel? Uh, after moving around a lot, it actually had me feel safe. I what? just felt like I landed in a, in a safe space. Wait, I knew I'd be there a while. You're nine years old, and you're even thinking of the concept of safety? Yeah. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Well, a lot of stuff happened on those uh, the different places that I lived, so there were there were reasons to, for me to feel unsafe. So when I got to my grandma's house, it was just all I could hear was a clock ticking and a nice energy to the space, and I just knew that I didn't have to worry about what was going to happen next. Now wait a minute, you're a business person running this firm, this business. You're talking about energy. What are you talking about? <laughs> and safety. 
Yeah, I mean, I w- at a very young age, I really learned how to adapt to different environments, adapt to different people. And so when I landed in my home, I realized, or at grandma's house, I knew that something had fe- felt very different. And so that's actually why I started Synergy Design and Construction. As I look back, I love to create safe spaces for people to actually love and walk in their door and feel like it's the home that they've always wanted. Chris, where do you want to go? Well, obviously you you said that that was the first time that you felt safe when when you were with grandma. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your business. Is this your first business? Uh, Yes. Um, you've never been well, in business I thought, you, I thought you started some other businesses. Did Afterwards. You? Afterwards. That was my gateway. Uh-huh. You, my it gateway was your gateway. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so what about this business did you draw from your past mm-hmm. that made you successful at what you're doing? Yeah. So, uh, well, I'll, I'll go back a little bit. I was a realtor for a little while, and then I started working for another design build firm, and I was there for about a week, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is what I'm supposed to do for the rest of my life. Because I wasn't finding people a house. I was actually manipulating and moving walls and creating it to be exactly what fed their soul. So there was something energetically that connected me to, like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And this was in 2007. So in 2008, when everybody was jumping from the construction industry, I just became obsessed and talked to my new husband, who we'd been married three months, into starting Synergy Design and Construction. Well, uh, fed their soul? <laughs> yeah, I really believe that um, if you think about it, uh, to get really deep on you, um, our, our homes are kind of like a womb for us. You know, we come, out, we come out of a womb and we never really have that safe space. So our homes, every day that we come home, it needs to have that energy and that container for us to be able to let go of what didn't work about the day, let go of the bullying that might have happened, have teenagers really have a place to just let go, journal, whatever it might be for them. So if you don't, if they come in and there's this chaotic environment and they walk in every day and there's book bags and shoes and they just can't stand it, it, that affects the parents, the kids, and and just their whole life. Um, from so that I hear standpoint. a lot about safety. Yes. And 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 the protection of the womb, the protection of the bubble around you. Yes. And I just heard you say that you've been in several businesses, mm-hmm. including starting a business at the thick of a <laughs> economic downturn. Yes. At a brand new marriage. Yes. <laughs> so just the, juxtapositioning one and the other, I would say that your risk-taking mm-hmm. abilities mm-hmm. are antithetical to the safety. Yes. How do you reconcile that? Yeah. I look at it almost like a, a left brain, right brain thing. So when you look at your left brain, it's very analytical, looking at safety. How do you worry about what the outcomes are going to be and, and uh, more strategic thinking? And then you've got the right, which is more creative and expansive and visionary. So uh, that's how I reconcile it. Is, is that at that, those times in my life when I really jump forward in that visionary and, and drive towards what's next, it's that part is really lit up because the safety is there, because the, the foundation has been created. Katie? You grew up with your grandmother. Yes. What do you bring from your grandmother to work every day? Uh, just an ability to listen and an ability to um, really have people feel heard and, and loved. Um, that was. She also gave me a lot of freedom because she was an older parent at that time. She didn't feel comfortable. She wasn't, you know, she was retired and she had a nine-year-old. What did the freedom give you? Um, ability to explore, ability to make my own mistakes, which I made many. And even when I made mistakes, she always had my back. And then later as I grew up, she's like, oh, yeah, I knew that, was, you know, that wasn't really re- true what you were telling me. But she still had my back in those moments when I would get caught. <laughs> Chris, what else are you thinking? 
I'm thinking this. You've been highly su- successful. You've been highly engaged in whatever you've done, yet you came from uh, an environment that was risky enough to, posi- to potentially position you for a very different outcome. Yes. What would you say today to your younger self a- of age 12? Mm, that's a great question. Um, I would say that it's going to be okay and, um, and to, ex- to really enjoy the adventure of it. Um, not be so worried about where you're going, but just live in that moment because it, it does turn out well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Katie, what else you think? So when you had to move quite a bit, I understand that you had kind of a, a difficult time when you had to move. Tell me about what, how you interacted and made friends. Hmm. Yeah, that was interesting because I'd be an only child, but every time I would go into a new environment or go to a new school or whatever, I had to quickly figure out how to fit in and how to um, acclimate. And how did you do that? Well, I remember the first time that it didn't work, so I learned from my mistakes. I ran up to this little girl that had a jump rope in her hand, and I just wanted to play because I didn't, you know, here's a little kid that was my age and my height, and she punched me in the face. (laughs) So in that moment, I think my psyche just said, you know what, people are dangerous. Let me let me hold back a little bit, assess the situation, really feel into how I can fit in and uh, and assimilate. <laughs> Earlier, you mentioned that you as, as, as a little as a young girl, you were able to read energy. You were, under, you were able to understand stuff. You were able to understand people. What, what was that reading energy thing about? What are you talking about there? Um, it was just more of a vibe. Um, you know, there were a lot of characters around in my life when I was really young, so some of them didn't have the best energy, and I knew that there might be danger ahead, so I would kind of move to a different situation. Um, so you developed, uh, you, you, you honed your instinct. You developed a real keen sense of first instinct as yes. a young girl, didn't you? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh-huh. Isn't that what channeling really is? It's just staying in touch with that first instinct? Yeah, it really is. I think we, we all have that and how have the ability to channel and have that ability to really tap into um, to our own inner knowing. And I think when a, a young person like myself goes through so much trauma, that kind of gets heightened. But you can really develop that um, even in today's society and no matter what your upbringing was. How important is your uh, intuition in business? Oh, I'm like 100 <laughs> percent. It's uh, it's what I trust all the time. I always ask uh, ask my inner self. Um, does the uh, left the brain make the decision, or does the right brain? Does the intuitive right brain, or does the left brain, the action side, make the decisions? It's the right brain, and I know when I'm. Uh, I, I I actually get out of the heart, the brain uh, analogy at that point, and I go in my in my head or in my heart. And so if I'm on my head overthinking it and trying to analyze and where am I going to get the money, I, I say, okay, let me get, let me just tune in and I kind of drop the energy down into my heart and say, okay, what feels right? And then that's when I'm, I'm able to make, move forward and make a decision. What role does your gut play? Mm. That's a great question. Uh, so yeah, my heart wants to move and then my gut says, okay, is this in, it's almost like, uh, it's like your second brain, right? right? So it's like a combination of that overthinking. Exactly. It, it really kind of, it's a gut check and it says, okay, so I know your heart wants to do it. Your mind's a little bit worried about that. Okay, let, how do we make this happen? So it just kind of brings those two worlds together. Wonderful. Yeah. And when, earlier when you mentioned that sometimes you, you channel for other people, aren't you really just helping coach them with their instincts? Yeah, I, I'm, it's funny. I'm, I'm actually doing a workshop about how to uh, ha- teaching people how to use channel, uh, how to use their channeling abilities, how do they connect um, using pendulums and other energy matters. So, how do we help people really tap tap into that higher knowledge that's there available for us all the time? Mm-hmm. And you picked this up when you were a little girl. Why? <sighs> 
I think it actually started when I was conceived, if you want to know the truth. Where? So I was conceived at Woodstock um, on the ground. Where did your name come from? (laughs) And uh, my name is uh, Adamina, which means daughter of the earth. So it's a female uh, version of Adam. What's the uh, the website address for this organization, Synergy Design and Construction? It's renovatehappy.com. We've been speaking with Adamina Fee, CEO of Synergy Design and Construction, back in a moment right after this break. One help building your business with help from this show's CEOs. Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars, and some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on this show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars, and some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. And your name is? Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special? Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, The conference center itself is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land. Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh-huh. And what's your role in the organization? I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure, I have a, make sure eight executive community members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs. So how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis or daily basis or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a weekly basis on a full house, we'll have uh, 900 per night, um, seven nights, uh, 6,300, which translates to about 20,000 meals a week. Wow. And uh, your job, are you working nine to five or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that? No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Do you, wh- what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business, and at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings, and such. So you're you're well, you're running a twenty-four by seven facility, aren't you? We are. Uh huh. What's the website address of this organization? Conferencecenter.com. Let me have that again. Conferencecenter.com. And your name again is Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your business spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Persephone, who is the CEO of the Media Socialites. Persephone, what is the Media Socialites? What are you guys doing? It's a boutique social media agency and content creation agency. Uh huh. Where are you from originally? Washington, D.C. And what was going on with you, 8 to 14 years old? When I was 9, I decided to live with my dad exclusively. Uh, you went. You decided to live with your dad. What was going on in their relationship, or what was going on at that time? So my parents got divorced. I had a choice, and I wanted. I knew exactly where I wanted to be. Why? 
because he, Chris, fostered uh, this creative energy within me and this ability to function kind of outside of the rules. What, what, what do you what do you mean? He, he, this creative energy. What are you talking about? I loved writing. I loved fashion. I loved just to think differently about different things as um, a kid. When you, were, uh, when you were a young girl, how young were you when you realized that you had a special ability with this Girl Scout? Why don't you tell us about that Girl Scout story? Definitely. So I was eight years old, and I was definitely the weird kid. I didn't have too many friends. I just tried to coexist, I guess. And I joined Girl Scouts and went into my dad's office building. He was the CEO of a company and went cubicle by cubicle, floor by floor, and sold as many Girl Scout cookies as I could. And I was the number one sales rep, I guess, for Girl Scout cookies in Maryland. Uh, how'd that make you feel? Empowered. What are you talking about? I didn't realize what I possessed, and I also realized that I could be very resilient if someone told me no. So, it didn't bother me. Uh huh. So this ability of yours to be resilient and to influence people and to sell and to, and, and to connect with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so w- w- what was the evolution of that past the age of nine? It ended up evolving into writing and finding ways in order to bring out the best in other people. So even though I wasn't popular, I wasn't that kid, I would try whoever I was connected to to make them feel like their best selves. And that's what I do today. What are you talking about? Making you're, you're, Wait a minute, how many brothers and sisters do you Zero. have? Zero. And uh, Lots of invisible friends that from 8 to 14. <laughs> so you have an imagine a, a really good imagination. I do. Uh-huh. And where does this thing about trying to bring out the best in other people come from? What, what are you talking about there? From my dad, Chris. So he was able to see that I didn't like to conform. And even though I was breaking rules, I was able to still move forward. And I find with my clients or any brands that I'm working with, I'm able to see them for exactly who they are, their heart and their soul, and to tell that story on a digital and social platform. Mm-hmm. When did you start telling stories? As young as five. Tell I me started about writing. I always had a diary. I always was Why journaling. did you keep a diary? Because I wanted to be able to reflect and know that I was improving. Reflect at that age? Yes. <laughs> and also this consistent improvement. It sounds to me like you've got this creative thing going on, but also this measurement thing. Yes, I do really like goals. Uh-huh. Keep on going, Katie. So tell me, who was your biggest influencer? My dad. Why? Because he raised me, because he was a CEO, and he never missed anything. So I thought that there was this ability to balance all of these things while being the best in everything. The best dad, the best, you know, leader. And what do you bring from him into your work? I try to emulate the same in my work with my clients, knowing that they can always count on me, that I am just as invested in their businesses and personally invested in them succeeding. And that's what he's brought to me. That's what I bring to my own twins, my husband, anyone who's around me. You have twins. I do. Uh huh. Identical. What if what if your uh, what if your what if your identical twins taught you about building your business? Balance is impossible, but being present 
as present as you can be when they are present and being as present as I can be when I'm working in business. Adamina, what's your first instinct? Well, it just looks like you've created this company that's all about people being seen. So why is it so important for others to be seen? Because oftentimes people feel very uncomfortable bragging when positive things happen or when they do positive and wonderful things and I'm able to see it very clearly and tell their story so that they're able to attract other people and the people that they want to be working with. But why is that important to you? Because were you you seen when you were younger? I was and I wasn't. I was seen as edgy. I think I still am and I think that I am just able to it's like this level of of lack of blinders um I'm only able to see the positive and, and, you know, exude it from them. Chris? So, growing up, you were exposed to a whole lot of different elements, business elements and otherwise. And at some point in your life, something must have happened that made that light bulb go off in your head and say, I can do this long term. What was that time? What was that point? That point was when you told me that, and Chris is my dad, um, that you told me that you wanted me to run my own little eBay business for the summer rather than working at a restaurant. And so I did, and I was the <laughs> in the top 1% of eBay sellers at the age of 15. So it was a business within a business. And then I started to think, okay, if I can do this at 14 or 15, what does that mean moving forward? So that's exactly what I did. I started a side hustle. I did my nine to five and kept running my social media agency until I couldn't handle it anymore. When you, when you, uh, you had a job at a reasonably substantial internet company, what was your, to what, to what level had you achieved in that um, company? I was the number one salesperson for 11 years um, at a company called Wedding Wire. So I was running all of the strategic partnerships and digital partnerships with uh, Target, Kohl's, David's Bridal. I ran everything and was incredibly bored being that top person. I needed more. So I was going through IVF and needed an outlet. So that's when I started my, my social media agency on the side. Uh, why were you number one for 11 years? Because no only means no temporarily. What do you mean by that? I mean that people will come to the conclusion eventually and you can continue, continue to build relationships and drive value until they see the light. How many times do you hear no before you move on? Never. Mm-hmm. Katie, what are you thinking? Uh, tell me about your friends when you were growing up. I didn't have too many friends growing up. I didn't really have too many good friends until I hit high school. I still had the one, and I didn't feel comfortable or secure with myself until I got to college. Why was that? Because people don't like when people aren't following the rules or they're getting in trouble or pushing boundaries. You know, that's not cool when (laughs) you're in elementary school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, I'm, I'm here to tell you that she did spend an awful lot of time at the principal's office. <laughs> lots of <laughs> detention, <laughs> yeah, too. Lots of detention <laughs> in Mrs. Washington's chair. One, one um, uh, thing that I need to ask you here. You obviously write a blog mm-hmm. quite faithfully. You publish it, I believe, every Thursday. The blog's name is? The Everyday Vogue. 
And in that blog, besides giving advice on a myriad of things, you're actually you actually bore bore your own soul in, in oftentimes very private ways. What kind yes. of stuff? Yeah, what are you talking about? I there? like to get very vulnerable. I think there's a lot of garbage out there. There's a lot of bloggers out there, and what I do is create content, and I want to drive value. So I think that just because someone can take a beautiful photo, just because you can create beautiful things, doesn't mean that they don't have depth or value so I often share so you're thinking so you believe that the authenticity that what makes us special is the is what makes us special as opposed to the stuff that covers it up I think that vulnerability and telling a story and showing the ugly sides of our lives the quote-unquote ugly sides are what make us human and that's what my audience connects with where'd that courage come from my dad how Ballsiness. <laughs> how, how did how did he, how did you get that? Was it he told you stories and stuff or so, what? So no, actually, I I just witnessed it. He let me come into negotiations. I remember I went and saw him mm-hmm. negotiate a. Oh, a, a we're going to run out of time here. What's okay. the website address for the organization? TheMediaSocialites.com. Let me have that one more time. TheMediaSocialites.com. We've been speaking with Persephone, who's CEO of the Media Socialites here on Executive Leaders Radio. We will be back in a moment right after this break. This is John Schuhart. Join us, joining us for our business spotlight is Barry File. Who are you with, Barry? I'm with Celebrate Fairfax, a yeah. 501c3 nonprofit in Fairfax, Virginia. And what do you do with uh, Celebrate Fairfax? I am very fortunate to be the president and CEO of the organization. So what does Fairfax, or excuse me, Celebrate Fairfax do? We have a mission to celebrate Fairfax County and its communities. We serve the 1.1 million people who live in the county and all, as well as all the people who uh, visit and work there. So uh, what do you enjoy about working at Celebrate Fairfax? It is the best job in the world. It is. We come to work every day, my team and I, and we get to prepare and plan and produce events for 75,000, 100,000 people, and we treat them like, we think of them like like they're our our friends. So So we get to come in and and just plan great events for them. What makes those events so special? We try to be unique uh, within this region especially, but we're always trying to stretch the envelope of what people expect from events. People go to events because they want to have great experiences. And for us, we are always trying to give them that return on investment because they're not giving us necessarily a lot of money when they come to our events, but they are giving us their time and their energy. And that's an important thing. People want that ROI back. So did you ever think you'd be doing this when you were a kid? No, never. I, I think that when I was a kid, I, w- I, was, I was building things, designing things, and somewhere along the line I fell into events and realized that it was a natural extension for me, that I just loved producing things. So what was it about being a kid that led you to this? Um, I think that it was just the challenges that were there. I always tried to figure out solutions to problems that didn't exist, and uh, that's what we do now. It's, it's the same principle. So when do you first start overcoming big challenges as a kid? Uh, I think I always was. Uh, I think that uh, I lived in a household with two older kids, parents who had their own things going on, and I think for me I just always uh, tried to find my own way. What's your website? Our website is CelebrateFairfax.com. This is John Schuart, and this has been your Business Spotlight. I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, Some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the Internet, 
the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, they, they, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people and then who knows the next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh -huh. what's happening. So your, idea, your, your thought is in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that I, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events, through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm -hmm. That's what's exciting. So it's all about the people. And you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for you? Hell no. It's a lot longer uh -huh. than that, baby. So do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me have the website address of this sure, organization. Bostonbid.com, and, and you can download Boston Connect mobile app. Let me have uh, let me have that website address one more Boston time. Bostonbid.com. Com. It's B A. Give me the spelling on that. B A L L S T O N B I D dot com. Excellent. Your name again is Tina Leone. And the name of the organization is the Balsam Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight. Back in a moment. One help building your business with help from the show's CEOs. Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues. Because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you've ser you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Mike Geary, CEO, Society for Marketing Professional Services. Mike, what are you guys doing? SMPS is a uh, trade association or actually professional society that represents individuals that work for design and construction industries or companies in the United States and Canada. We have about 7,100 members right now. Uh-huh. 
And uh, how many brothers and sisters do you have? I grew up as a middle child. All right. So one and one on either side. Gotcha. And where are you from originally? Where, where are you from? Well, I, when I say where I'm from, it's really it's a long story. I was born in Zambia, then I lived in uh, Puerto Rico, and then I grew up in Fort Myers, Florida. Uh-huh. What was the effect of your being born in Zambia, moving to Puerto Rico, and then Florida? What was the effect on you? Well, I think you're immediately, I mean, as an infant and then as a toddler and then growing up um, that in uh, even a diverse area of Fort Myers, Florida at the time, that I was always an early on, literally out of the womb, exposed to people that didn't look like me, didn't sound like me, didn't sound like my parents. Um, and so I think the effect on that for me professionally and socially is that I just, I'm really comfortable with anybody. Nothing really scares me in terms of people. I'm well, well, how's that help you build this organization? Well, in an executive level role, you're constantly walking into rooms full of strangers and you have to immediately say hi. You're getting on a stage and giving them your spiel. You're giving them a vision for yourself. Or for right. I just want to make sure I understood, Katie. Yeah. How old were you when you moved to Florida? Yeah, how young were you? We, I was about six years old. I think I had just turned six when mm -hmm. we were uh, settling, settling there. Mm -hmm. And how did you connect with others when you got there? Well, I, at the time I hated it, but I'm really glad that my mom took me as a six-year-old uh, down to a local community center and got involved with a community theater, sort of semi-pro uh, theater in, uh, in Fort Myers. What role did you have in the theater? Uh, well, as a kid, I was playing. I mean, but really, I was an actor contributing to the, the repertoire of the, all the shows that we did throughout the years. Mm -hmm. Chris, what do you got? Well, the uh, fact that you, you told us earlier that you, uh, from a very early age, you felt like you were the business person. Tell us about that. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't think I'd actually end up in business. I thought originally I was interested in radio and television. So I was uh, sort of, I think, um, acting, mimicking what I was seeing on TV, but I was really drawn to like business. So I had a briefcase, I made a little desk, I made a little office. We had like how, how young were you? In our office, how young were you when you had a briefcase in an office? Uh, too young. Uh, was probably probably seven, eight around that age. Seven uh, or eight. Yeah, I think my friends didn't understand. Didn't you also tell thing. us a story about um, you also constructed aside from an office in the house at a young age, seven or eight? You also constructed a stage of sorts. We had a little stage, a little platform in our living. It was really a cabinetry, and I converted that into a theater. So I, we had curtains I would use as the backstage, and I just loved performing as a kid. How young were you when you had that? Six, seven. So six, yeah. seven, eight years old, you're creating stuff in the house. This business person persona, as well as this theater persona, it sounds to me like you've got a real creative streak going on, actually quite the anticipating and seeing streak. And I'm wondering, how does that help you grow this organization? Well, there, you know, there's always challenges day to day. And so I think having, thinking ahead, having experiences um, helps you solve problems quickly for everyone. Uh, and everything needs a creative solution. So what, what kind of sports did you play as a kid? I started off as playing soccer, uh, which wasn't really big at what the other time, sports? and basketball. What and other I sports? eventually became a swimmer. Uh huh. What, 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 uh, were you the best? Not the best. Um, in fact, I think that's why I sort of didn't pursue things early on. Um, I, but I always wanted to be an athlete. I wanted to be understand what it meant to be an athlete. So I got involved uh, playing. But you know, as I said, but later as a swimmer, um, the swim team, I loved that experience of being on a team, contributing to a team. But you learn from everybody else. I was never the best swimmer, but I could watch everyone else and learn their techniques and and uh, what's that learning? What's that learning other techniques? That was that really appeals to you, doesn't it? 
It does. I think that you have to be successful. You can't learn on your own. You have to have people that you're either mentoring you. Michael, isn't that what watching. you do for a living? Isn't that fundamentally what you do for a living? It is. Is, it, I, is encourage best practices across the organization? Absolutely. I, I expect to share with one of our board members recently and a colleague that you know my day job is spending time with people. Um, helping them be successful, and I do my real job at night. And actually, I should really the real job is being with people. And at night, it's when I do sort of the the office, the business of my organization. So I understand that um, you really like le- you know from sports. You really like even though you weren't the best player, you really like learning from people, which is what you do for a living nowadays. And um, Persephone, didn't what, what was your thought earlier? I want to know what people think of you and how they work with you. What is your interaction? like well I think people think of me as friendly and social and I'm easy to get along with but I know that with me enough they know that I am an anticipator I am going to be planning Um, and that's probably what I've learned though is a growing up as a professional that I have to let that go also right so I have I think I've become really honest and candid with people and admit my own challenges and say okay I'm going to walk away now um, and they know that I'm not always going to want to be in control. I am going to turn things over to my colleagues or to my friends. You know, I'm comfortable with that. What was this thing, Persephone, you picked up about Michael being kind or something? What was that? Just seems like such a kind person and so relatable. So what would you say is one of your downfalls? I Does am, that work against you? Yeah, it, you know, I think it works against me in that um, I trust people too quickly. And uh, so I don't want to be a cynic. And so I want to believe people are being honest with me all the time. On the right. other hand, yeah. that's really what helps you bond the organization exactly. together, doesn't it? It's that's the glue exactly. that holds all together, the fact that you're, uh, that you're kind. Chris, what else yep. are you thinking? You strike me like nobody's fool. And if, if somebody thinks that you are the easygoing person and they try to take advantage of you, at some point you push back. What's that point that makes you say, oh, no, not today, not this time? I, I, I probably live more by the three strikes rule and the third strike, that's it. Um, I'm not demonstrative about it, though. I mean, I'm going to – I'm so kind that I will help people leave the uh, leave the environment. That's the epitome of <laughs> right? kindness. Uh, without it being right my decision sometimes. Sometimes I want them to make the decision, but I'll make it worth their while or convince them that's the right that's thing That's not typically what you hear in business. Typically you hear you scream, you yell, but that's not the way you are. I'm not that way. In fact, our uh, – Working with our team, we have sort of a top 10, uh, what we want is our office culture, and we call it caring for each other. And so uh, that's the environment I like to work in. That's what I like to express to people. I care about you, and we're going to take care of you. And if it doesn't work out here, we're going to help you find the next mm-hmm. place. Uh, Katie, what else are you thinking? Where did this empathy come from and this feeling for others? Well, you know, I probably, I would think my mom uh, was the one that was taught that to me. She's a very empathetic person. Professionally, she eventually became a social worker. Um, so listening to her stories of working in hospitals and the challenges people have in life and that it was her job to help them get through that. I mean, that that is it's moving. Uh, we we had foster kids as foster children when I was growing up as well. So we're always, I think, sort of very Wait a second. Yeah. Um, you had foster kids when you were, uh, how many, how young were you when you started having foster kids living in the house? It was probably 10 to 12, how'd somewhere in that range. How did you feel yeah. about other kids coming to live in your space? I loved it. I, I think I love what we were doing and how we were helping What were kids. you doing? What were you doing? Well, uh, you learn how to nurture. 
Um, these were kids who were coming from really awful environments. They'd been abused by their parents, which is uh, I can't, unbelievable. Okay, I, you know, well, I right, so earlier I heard you talk yeah. about, you know, you've moved from, you know, to, to these different neighborhoods and you got involved with theater and that you're a giving person. That foster stuff, the way you felt about bringing those foster kids into the house as opposed to, you know, they're treading on my space rather... You know, you thought it was a wonderful idea and your openness. I'm wondering how that openness helps you build this organization, this kindness. You, ex- I accept, I think, in success is you accept people for who they are. And they, everyone comes into the room with their own challenges and with their own opportunities. And, their, um, and so I think you learn uh, that, first of all, that uh, how privileged I was that I had a safe environment as a kid. And, but we could still then also take care of others and learn about through them how important what life is your is really intuition like how important is your intuition in building this organization well intuition is everything but intuition i think is not just natural it comes with experience um, you've seen there you've been there done that that helps drive you intuition um, i think exposure to a variety of people and experiences really really supports and there's that exposure thing again i think that's it's one of the things that you felt was a blessing as opposed to being disrupted which many kids would have been you moving around that to those places when you were a kid you actually found the diversity um filling didn't you yes yes mm-hmm. now, i love being around a variety of people i'm um trying different restaurants i mean even sort of sort of play it all out if you will um travel food music everything so it really is diversity it's just like you were talking about with sports you like learning from uh better people different people diverse people that's right and i you know back to the foster kids i think that we uh I learned that um, we all have challenges and you have to, you accept no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. You have to help people uh, despite their it's challenges. It's fascinating to me how you're so open and that's what you're sharing across the platform of your association. What's the, well, what's the what website we address of the Society for Marketing Professional Services? It is smps.org. We've been speaking with Mike Geary, CEO of Society for Marketing Professional Services. Katie, can you give us a rundown on who else we've had the opportunity of speaking with, please? We had Fred Westerlin, CEO of MBH Settlement Group, Adamina Fees, CEO of Synergy Design and Construction, Persephone, CEO of the Media Socialites, and Mike Geary, CEO of Society for Marketing Professional Services. And I'd like to thank my co-hosts, Joe Applebaum, Potomac Companies, Chris. I foresee Newport LLC. And Katie Brewer for giving me a hand structuring the questions. Hope we're providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. That's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. Thank you for joining us today and have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.